you for joining us and welcome to another edition of Answers Network. I'm your host, Alan Cardoza. And for those of you that have been listening, sending in questions and comments, thank you so much. And please continue to help spread the word that every Monday from 11 a.m. to noon Pacific time, this show will bring on special guests that can inspire, educate, and in some cases, entertain while bringing answers and options to making our lives happier, healthier, and more successful. Now, if you haven't listened live, or if you, let's see, if not just if you haven't listened live, because if you want, anyway, if you, <laughs> if you can't listen live, all of our shows can be found at Answers Network. And know that there are many people that say that although they're unable to listen live, they listen to the show later and still pass it on to others. And I also want you to know I'd really appreciate it if you could all do me a big favor. Please forward one of our shows to your social media group and to someone you know who can benefit from a particular subject. This is one powerful way that we can make a positive difference in the world together. Now, today, we will answer the question, where did our modern practice of medicine and psychology grow out of and so much more? Prolific author, psychotherapist, educator, international activist, and journey leader, our guest, Edward Tick, PhD, has over 40 years of pioneering work uh, healing the invisible wounds of war and violent trauma. He was co-founder and director of the nonprofit Soldier's Heart, Inc. for 13 years and continues to support war healing internationally. He is the Pentagon-appointed subject matter expert on post-traumatic stress disorder and morale injury. In addition to his forthcoming titled book, Soul Medicine, Healing Through Dream, Incubation, Visions, Oracles, and Pilgrimages, Ed has authored four nonfiction books, including the groundbreaking War, of the, War and the Soul, as well as Warrior's Return. His work, they've been translated or are being translated to Ukrainian, Greek, Vietnamese, Bulgarian, Japanese, and Italian. So for those of you that have friends in other countries and you think that it would be good for them, know that it's very possible that it's in the language they speak. Now, Ed guides trauma survivors to achieve healing, meaning, reconciliation, and friendship. His work is devoted to restoring soul and spirit in our modern world. Ed, welcome to Answers Network and Thank you for your service to our veterans all over the world. Thank you very much, Alan. I'm honored to be with you and to be together with our friends out there trying to bring some meaningful answers to our troubled world now. And so I appreciate the invitation to join you. And thanks very much for your generous introduction. Well, it is it is our pleasure. And and one of the things I want to thank Jan, my producer, who goes to great lengths to find what I believe are some of the most uh, incredible and thought-provoking guests uh, for our show. And again, she does a great job. And uh, and as soon as she told me, uh, you know, that she had found you and then uh, showed me the book and I went, oh, please, if you can get him, I think he's perfect for the show. Well, so, then great. let's jump in. Yes. So, um, 
And you know, as I started with what our, our initial question is going to be, I want you to know that also it was one of the things that I didn't know until reading your book that I found most fascinating was where our modern practice of medicine and psychology grew out of. Uh, I think a lot of people will be surprised. So please share this with our audience. Oh, thank you for that invitation. And uh, let's, together with our audience, travel backwards about 3,500 years to where our healing practices in the Western world did begin. Um, As we do this, we can also consider, and we ask our our listeners to consider, when you're listening to the original uh, medical and healing practices, also compare them to the medical and healthcare systems we have today, because these are the origins, but boy, have things changed. And they are, as we all know, and have challenges with our medical system today. Uh, they're not serving us. Our healthcare systems are not serving us in a, an integrated or holistic or spiritually based way. And people are profoundly dissatisfied in so many ways. I, so we'll I agree begin with where it comes from and, and, and we can talk about how it's evolved and how we can restore it today. Okay. So medicine and heal and psychology in the Western world originated in ancient Greece. The god of healing in Greece was called Asclepios. He's not one of the 12 major Olympians that people hear about and that we all studied in high school, but he was so important and prevalent in the ancient world that it's interesting we didn't hear about him, but we should. Asclepius was a son of Apollo. Apollo was considered the god of medicine, of truth, of oracles. And Asclepius was his half-divine, half-human son. What do you know? Uh, healers and saviors often come to us uh, in world traditions with uh, one a divine parent and a mortal mother. So mm-hmm. they're in between the divine and the mortal and partaking of both. Uh, and we know of other important healers who have had that tradition. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what we know of as modern medicine today grew out of an a tradition that was already established in the mountains of northern Thessaly in Greece, where which was Asclepius' homeland. The way medicine was originally practiced, it was a holistic and spiritually based practice, and it originated in the countryside. People used to go on, uh, as the title of my book, the subtitle indicates, dream incubations. People, people consulted mortal healers, ordinary human physicians, when they could get help from the human. But many people today as well and throughout history uh, have challenges, traumas, illnesses, um, syndromes that seem beyond our human ability to help. And one of the principles of ancient medicine was turn to other human beings for help and support and healing mm-hmm. and when that if that falls short or if they fail you then we turn to the divine or spiritual healing from divine sources so people went to the asclepian tradition after human interventions had failed and the core practice was what we're calling what they called dream incubation now there were holistic healing sanctuaries all over the Mediterranean world. In this tradition, we know of more than 320 such sanctuaries. And they were all over, not just Greece, but the Mediterranean. 
So they stretched from uh, from Egypt in the east all the way to the Iberian Peninsula, Spain and Portugal in the west, and then northern Africa, and then all the way up into Europe in the Caucasus. And these were holistic healing sanctuaries that in part give the model for our holistic sanctuaries today. So Esalen Institute, Omega Institute, places that, that provide many forms of complementary healing took their models from this ancient way. However, there were many differences. People went into the holistic sanctuaries. First of all, they were free of charge, not expensive like ours are today. Mm -hmm. And they were available to everyone and everyone was welcome. So slaves as well as emperors, women as well as men were welcomed in the sanctuaries. They paid for the healing after they left. And it was on the ideal sliding scale. So a slave could give an apple, and that was enough. Because in the eyes of the divine, you gave everything you had. But mm -hmm. an emperor, and emperors did use this tradition, an emperor might build an entire new building for the sanctuary. The sanctuaries had most, many, maybe even more of the holistic traditions we use today. So people in the sanctuaries, they received acupressure, nutrition, mm -hmm. gymnastics, psychotherapy, um, astrology readings. They attended ancient theater. The origins of classical tragedy are, is in this tradition as well. Um, poetry readings, uh, intensive sports, um, color therapy, hydrotherapy. All of these were uh, delivered in intensive ways. And it was for as long as the patient needed. Wow. It wasn't a short stay. It wasn't get out of the hospital and back to ordinary life as soon as possible. It was a retreat from the world that wounded us and stressed us. And we were able to stay there as long as we needed. However, right. all of that was not even the core of the healing. Oh. After a person was in the holistic sanctuary for a while and receiving all of these complementary practices for healing, at some point through a dream, a vision, um, a strange event, something told them it was time to actually approach the God of healing directly. That's mm -hmm. a Sclepio in that tradition or some of his helpers. So when they were called for the deeper practice, that's when they went into a separate building or caves earlier on uh, before the classical era and the beautiful buildings we know of. But they went into some kind of incubation chamber, a private room or a cave that was cordoned off, especially just for them or for a group of pilgrims seeking healing. And they would uh, lie down on a clinicos. Our word clinic, clinic comes from this mm -hmm. tradition. The clinicos was the sleeping couch where you lie down there and being supported by priests and priestesses who were attending you and praying for you all, all the time you were there. People just slept. They went into a deep incubation state. So they slept and fasted and prayed and did nothing else but wait in on the clinicos until a dream or a vision came to them. It could happen quickly, spontaneously. It could take days. But in every case, they stayed there until some kind of dream or vision that was considered to come from divine sources actually came to them. So people saw the God of healing 
come to them and sometimes uh, heal them directly. People actually had dream surgeries where they saw Asclepius or another representative coming and performing a surgery. And sometimes, sometimes it was both, um, how shall we say this? I'll say it in a different way. I apologize. Of the 320 sanctuaries, some of them also had medical practitioners attached. So there might be medical practices as well as dream uh, visionary practices. Many of the sanctuaries didn't have any medical practitioners attached, and they still had these dream surgeries. We have more than a thousand testimonies from ancient Greece and ancient Rome that have been translated into many of the languages of the world that give testimony to the healings that happen. So as examples, a warrior who was wounded and had uh, an arrow point deep in his shoulder and it was inoperable, Mm -hmm. would go into a sanctuary and uh, go through the incubation process and pray for a healing. And in the dream surgery, the, the arrow point head would pop out. And when they woke up, it had been expelled from their body. Wow. Other people, there's an example of a man who had been blind. And in his dream, he was prescribed by the God in the dream to go to his altar, make a poultice combined of the ashes from sacrifices at, at the God's altar, combined with um, crushed acorns. Mm-hmm. And to make a poultice of that, and spread it on his eyes, and his sight would be restored. I don't know what modern medicine says about that, but the ancient testimony says he could he he could see again. He was healed. Uh, other things were extreme exercises, um, nutritional programs, and as I'm saying, we have over a thousand testimonies and we know that happened and it also continues to happen in the modern world well and that's what i was going to touch on in the modern world i know you've done a lot of work with veterans um how have you witnessed some of these ancient greek healing rituals and practices affect the healing of our our modern military people that are struggling with things like ptsd and other forms of suffering that has come out of the trauma they've had uh, fighting for their country Well, we'll jump into that from the ancient to the modern. Yes. Um, I want to say before we go to the modern that these sanctuaries were especially beloved and protected by warriors. Mm. And they used them extensively, so much so that when Rome invaded the Greek world and sacked many of the cities that they took as Roman cities now, they protected the Asclepian healing sanctuaries. So, for example, in Corinth, which had been a powerful Greek city, Rome Mm -hmm. completely sacked it and made it a powerful Roman city. But there was an extensive uh, healing sanctuary there, and they protected it, and they used it for their wounded warriors. So this tradition has actually been especially beloved by warriors from ancient times. Mm -hmm. I will share a little of how we use it in modern times. Uh, How about a story? Oh, I love a story. And uh, for our friends out there, uh, stories are good. Stories stories teach and inspire. Uh, I have a lot of stories for using these practices with our veterans. Uh, And one of my practices in general is pilgrimage. That we leave this society and we go to others to 
to immerse in the other culture with all of its teachings, its spirituality, its customs, uh, and in particular regarding our veterans, uh, their the other culture's warrior practices, how mm-hmm. they treated warriors, what they understand about um, warrior service and the traumatic wounds of war, and immersing in their cultures itself can be healing. And so for our friends out there, I also want to add that, well, I've led um, 23 journeys to Greece by now. Some of them have been exclusively for our veterans. Um, often, more often, it's a mixed group. Um, but I've also led 19 pilgrimages to Vietnam and brought our warriors mm-hmm. back there, again, for cultural and spiritual immersion and reconciliation and friendship building with the Vietnamese people. So both bring profound healing. In addition to that, we're talking about the Greek tradition and dream incubation. So here's a story. Okay. One of our veterans uh, was a Vietnam veteran. Um, He had severe PTSD. And this gentleman, his name was John, first name. That's common enough. We're not. Well, actually, I have permission to share his story. And he shares it. So bless you, John, if you're listening. Uh, John had severe combat trauma, had been the only survivor of his unit in fierce jungle combat three times. He was the only one who walked out. So he was really hurting. Uh, He had been through therapy. Several um, times he'd been through uh, conventional, more conventional psychotherapy, talk therapy. Uh, And he decided to come to Greece with me to try to complete the healing of his PTSD that had not happened yet. Okay, I'm going to share, try to briefly share two major steps that we took for him that really brought him profound and holistic healing. In Athens, um, at first, we were in Athens for a few days, and I told him uh, the following day we were going to a place called Keramikos, which was the ancient warrior's cemetery outside the old city walls of Athens. We went there. Um, it's a extensive and beautiful ruined site, even though it's in Athens. It's not very well visited. Um, so we had it pretty much to ourselves. We got there and John couldn't walk in. He said, I've been to the Vietnam Wall in Washington, uh, and that was painful enough. But this has warriors from ancient times, warriors of the ages. This is so painful, I can't go in. Wow. So outside the site... We talked to him. We gave him some therapeutic touch. We did some prayer and um, and um, massage. Uh, and the Greek people spontaneously came over and gave him support also. So it became an international effort, just spontaneously. Uh, when he was ready, we went into the sanctuary, uh, into the ruin site. Mm-hmm. We first walked through the cemetery. And he was very emotional at that as if he was in front of the Vietnam Wall again. Mm-hmm. He chose an ancient tombstone of a warrior to sit against it. He leaned against it, and he was praying and crying. The rest of the group surrounded him, and we gave um, healing energy. So uh, We had a Reiki practitioner who was giving him Reiki and therapeutic touch. Mm-hmm. And as he was sitting there surrounded with support and prayer and good energy, Suddenly, 
His whole body shuddered. His eyes popped open and he said, I don't know what just happened, but something just came back into me. I feel new energy. Like my soul just came back into my body. Wow. Okay. Yes. Wow. We, from there, we went on a progression through the cemetery and then through the, uh, the ruins of the ancient city. And then we arrived at the site, which was the ancient gate to Athens in classical times. And it's the site when Pericles, the ruler of Athens during the Peloponnesian Wars, and the one who inspired um, the building of the Parthenon, the Acropolis, Pericles gave a very famous funeral oration on that very site over the dead of the Peloponnesian War. We read excerpts from that, which is really a beautiful speech about the true meaning of democracy and the obligations and service of our warriors in protecting democracy, which we also need that restoration today. After reading from Pericles, we invited John up to stand on the same spot. Now give us your speech as a warrior on this ancient warrior spot where the dead of the Peloponnesian War were honored. John gave a, told his story, gave a long talk about his service, his struggles to come home, and how he's been carrying his service and the traumatic breakdown he had. What's most important here is that at the end, the last thing John said yeah. was, you all think of me as a Vietnam combat veteran, and that's how our country labels me. Right. But he said, from now on and forevermore, I'm not a Vietnam combat veteran. I am a spiritual warrior whose service was in Vietnam. Wow. A spiritual warrior whose service was in Vietnam. Much larger identity. Yeah. And the spiritual warrior identities, he's identifying with the warrior archetype that exists in all of us and that is meant to be used very carefully for protection mm -hmm. and preservation, not for invading other countries and causing destruction. So that immediately caused a major shift in his identity, which would indicate that he would carry his trauma differently. Okay, first step. Second was about a week later, we went to the Greek island of Kos. It's K-O-S. It's about mm -hmm. just a mile off the coast of, of uh, Turkey. And Kos is the island where Hippocrates came from. So Hippocrates, mm -hmm. We know as the father of scientific medicine. Yeah. And there were Asclepian healing sanctuaries that went way back before Hippocrates' time. Hippocrates was actually raised in them. His father and his grandfather were both priests of Asclepius who had served there. So even though he became a scientific physician, he was raised in the Asclepian spiritual medicine tradition. So we're on the, the, that island. We studied Hippocrates, we visited the sanctuary, and then we set up the dream chamber in our, our, our hotel the night afterwards. So on these mm -hmm. journeys to Greece, I do facilitate incubations. And so we have people preparing for a long time. They fast and they pray beforehand. They spend the whole day beforehand in fasting and, and preparation. Uh, the rest of the group organizes as a support system for them. And then, uh, and we make sure we have really quiet hotel rooms. 
So there, there's no disturbance to the other guests or to us. And so we set up an incubation chamber. And so from the time the light goes down from right after sunset, um, we have each incubant setting up altars, sharing with the group what they're seeking and why. Uh, why have they turned to this kind of healing? And then we really, we um, tuck them in. We swaddle them in their, in she, their sheets and, and blankets, and we leave them alone to fast and to pray and to dream and to sleep or just lay there for as long as they need until they're done. Uh, in John's case, there's actually another veteran with us on that trip, so the two of them were shared a, uh, a room, and they both incubated. We do have people sitting with them for support through the night, usually two-hour shifts uh, through the night in case they need support, they're upset, whatever their needs are. John kept waking up from combat nightmares every few minutes all night long. Mm -hmm. He'd cry, he'd scream, he'd shake, uh, and he'd wake up from the nightmare. And his support person kept asking, are you okay? Do you need more Mm -hmm. support? Are you done? Do you need to stop this process? And to his credit, courageously, each time he said, no, I'm not done. I have to go back in. I was sitting, I always take the graveyard shifts that people don't want, 2 to 4 a.m. or 4 to 6 a.m. So dawn was breaking. This had been going on all night for John. Every time he woke up from a nightmare, he went back to sleep. And then when I was with him and the light was just starting to break through, he woke up again and like had happened in the cemetery, his face was bright. His eyes were shining. He Mm -hmm. had a huge smile on his face and he said, it's done. It's over. I'm finished with this. I said, good morning, John. And great. Congratulations. But what do you mean? He said, I don't know what I mean. I just feel clean and empty of my trauma inside. This was a decade ago, Alan, a decade Mm -hmm. ago. He hasn't had a combat nightmare since. And he actually likes to call me up and tease me. And he says, you know, Ed, um, I used to not be able to sleep well, but now I sleep even better than you. Before I met you, I never needed an alarm clock because I couldn't sleep. Now I've got to set an alarm because I don't have any nightmares anymore. They don't wake me up. And he's remarried. Oh, by the way, he married he he married a woman he met on that journey. They bonded there. <laughs> so they fell in love in Greece. That's another healing. And so he's remarried. He's reconciled with his children. He's become a very devoted veteran advocate himself and goes into VA hospitals to work with our older veterans from World War II in Korea and the older Vietnam veterans who are fading. Uh, and he's become a healer and a teacher and an advocate himself. And no more PTSD. That's beautiful. Our guest is Edward Tick, PhD. We're talking about his book, Soul Medicine, Healing Through Dream Incubation, Visions, Oracles, and Pil- Pilgrimages. Now, when we come back, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, I'd like you to talk a little bit more about the dream incubation and the things that people can do, how they can use that themselves here for other, um, maybe let's call them smaller traumas, but things that we can do just by planting the right seeds uh, before we go to sleep. So for everybody, we'll be right back. Stay with us. You're listening to or watching Answers Network. 
Mexico to meet the needs of families in crisis. Westfield has continually focused on resolving issues that negatively impact families and businesses. Our signature therapeutic transportation service helps to ensure that adolescents in crisis are safely transported to specialized schools, programs, and treatment centers with unsurpassed experience and success. We are supported by our full-service licensed investigation agency that has legally, professionally, and compassionately located hundreds of runaways and teens. We are experienced and qualified to help, offering solutions which may include referrals to our international network of top professionals in the fields of educational consulting, psychology, psychiatry, and investigations. Simply put, West Shield Adolescent Services and West Shield Investigations are the best solutions when your family is facing a personal crisis. Call 1-800-899-8585, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's 1-800-899-8585, or visit our website at westshield.com. Thank you. And we're back. We're talking with Ed Tick. We're talking about his book, Soul Medicine. And Ed, what are some of the things that people can do? You mentioned in the very uh, early on on the show, you mentioned the problems that we're having to deal with in today's society. And so we know that there are there are many things people are dealing with. There's also an incredible, incredible amount of very positive things that are going on. But for those people that are struggling and they don't have a team, you know, to come and help them, what are some things that they can start doing to help heal themselves every night when they go to sleep? Um, thank you for that and for bringing it into the present and uh, helpful to our friends out there. Uh, I'll start with another story, if I may. Please, I share... love, and it's one of the things anybody that's heard the show knows, I love success stories. Great. Well, here's another one. And from our modern times, this is mine. Uh, okay. More evidence that this works. So uh, I was diagnosed with irritable, irritable bowel syndrome in my 20s. And that runs in my family. And that's how I've dealt with stress. I've done everything I can for it. Uh, I've consulted physicians. Um, I'm not on any medication, but I have a very good diet. and I'm careful about what I eat. Um, but I still have trouble digesting our world, let's put it that way. Now, in ancient times, uh, one of Hippocrates' principles that he taught in ancient times, and it's still true, but we've forgotten it, Hippocrates said, all illness begins in the soul and ends in the body. All illness begins in the soul and ends in the body. So I could say my EIBS was genetic. My mother had it. My grandmother had it. Okay, that's an easy way to understand. Or I could say something deeper that the way I am trying to digest the world, what I take in from the world, is confusing and troubling and stressful. And I don't have, or my body-mind system is not well-balanced in dealing with the, the traumas of our world. Okay, So I had not found any healing but I was mitigating the condition. Right. I, at the time, I was teaching a course on uh, here in the United States, an adult education course on these principles and practices in ancient Greece. And I had a physician in my course who challenged the whole thing. Of course, he said, 
this sounds uh, fantastic. It's miraculous. I'm a spiritual person also, but these are impossible. Uh, we don't achieve healing through a, a divine figure coming to us in a dream, and that wipes out a physical condition. Okay. Um, so we discussed it. We discussed the old testimonies. And I was wondering, what else can I share with this person that, to perhaps move him more into a holistic vision as a physician? Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> the night after the encounter with him, and I didn't even ask for it at that time, I went to bed wondering, how do I continue teaching this gentleman? What can I bring him? That night I had a dream in the old dream incubation form. I saw an old physician in a white robe with a gray beard and curly hair carrying the caduceus, the snake rat staff. And he walked up to my bed. The dream, uh, I was in my bedroom. So he walked into my bedroom and up to my bed. And he said, uh, this is all in the dream. I heard that you've been asking for help for your IBS from some divine source. And in the dream, I was amazed and grateful and said, yes, I have. And he said, well, then I've come to help you. Uh, are you willing? Yes. Do you have some guidance for me? Yes. I want, I'm prescribing for you for your IBS. I'm prescribing an enema made of Lemon juice and vinegar. Take this enema and it will help heal your bowel. Your bowels. Your digestive system. And then he bowed to me and I thanked him and he left. That was the end of the dream. Next day, uh, I was wide awake and shocked from the dream. Uh, I called that physician friend and asked for his advice. And he said, I've never heard anything like this. And I've never heard that this is any kind of remedy for your affliction. But you had the dream and you're teaching this, so you've got to try it. Right. You're the laboratory experiment. Mm -hmm. My only suggestion is that you dilute those substances because they're both very high acid. Okay. Okay. So I did it. I took the enema. The first time I did it, I felt my body changing. I felt an extraordinary explosion of energy as if energy had been locked down in my lower chakras in the lower part of my body. And it had, it was being released and exploding through my system. I also had the homeopathic understanding that uh, poison kills poison, cures poison, take mm-hmm. poison that you need in order to balance it and neutralize it. And I had experienced that um, I, my system has become um, corroded from too many toxins that I had taken in. And this poison was burning it off and cleaning it out, but not just from my body, but from my heart and my soul as well. And so uh, I felt extraordinarily alive and resuscitated and revived after that. Uh, I did continue with the enema for a while, uh, and it didn't completely heal the IBS, but it quite significantly reduced it, so it became a very comfortable and livable condition for me. 
So that, that that's an example. But I right think. now, have there been any other any other doctors, or is there uh, that have referred to that? In other words, I've heard of a coffee enema, I've heard of a regular enema, I've never heard of that one. But uh, once you start talking about this, has somebody come forward and said, "Yes, that's something that some other types of doctors are uh, are using, or that used to." something that used to be done back then? Uh, neither of the two, though that story is in my earlier book, The Practice of Dream Healing, which is also about this tradition. Mm-hmm. So somebody might have read it and used it, I don't know. But another matter is that holistic medicine teaches us that our prescriptions should be individual. They're mm-hmm. idiosyncratic. We need different medications or different foods to help our individual conditions. It's not true as modern medicine practices that one size fits all. One, one medication heals everything. Yeah, What's I, missing from the moder- modern medicine is we don't even, our, our physicians don't talk to us about our symptoms and what mm-hmm. they mean and what they're trying to say. Symptoms are symbols. Symptoms are oracles trying to talk to us to tell us, what our bodies and minds and hearts and souls are looking for. So if I go into a physician and I've got IBS, well, take this medication. Maybe, maybe not. And too often not, it doesn't heal. It may reduce and control a symptom, but it's not healing. As long as we're on medications to control a symptom, we haven't healed. Right. Healing. Right. Healing means growing back into wholeness so that our whole system is well and imbalanced. And we don't need the medications to keep us that way. Well, I couldn't agree more. And, um, and we'll have to do another show just on that part of it, because I am right there with you. We do have a couple of questions that come in, that has come in, uh, two of which uh, refer to dreams. So I'll try to get through both of these really quickly. Um, one is, is that I've been journaling my dreams for two years. My teacher recommended that we set our clocks at 3.30 a.m., but recently that time is no longer working for me, and I'm increasingly unable to remember my dreams. I'm very interested in what you mean by incubate, incubating your dreams. Is it a way to better remember them? And that's from Oren in New Hampshire. Then we have a second one that, again, similar. It says, what are some particular things you believe people can do to uh, to better remember their dreams? And that's from Mary in Sedona, Arizona. So hello to Oren and to Mary, both of you. And good for you, Alan, to combine those questions so we can uh, answer them uh, together. Yes, together. All right. So first is I fully support and encourage keeping a dream journal. For everyone, keep a notebook next to your bed and wake up slowly if you can. Unfortunately, our in our modern world, our alarm clocks really disturb our dream sleep. Uh, remember, for uh, dreams occur during REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, that usually sets in at the end of our sleep cycles. So we're having our dreams toward the end of sleeping. That's why that uh, orange teacher recommended set the alarm in the middle of the night when you might be in REM sleep. Okay. 
it's best to sleep as long as we can undisturbed, if we can. Okay. It's also best to wake up slowly, to not rush up and jump into the shower and get dressed and get your coffee and get to work. Another thing you can do is give yourself more time in the morning instead of an hour to get out and get to work. Give yourself an hour and a half or two hours mm -hmm. and take your morning slowly. Write down whatever you remember from your dreams in the journal, even the tiniest fragments. Practice a dream memory and retention can and does increase over time. So we can practice it. All right, uh, but those are only a few modest things. We can a bigger, a bigger lesson from this tradition is that we can incubate ourselves. We don't have to go to Greece or in a holistic or Omega or a holistic sanctuary where these are practiced. It's good if we want to, but we don't have to. We can take the same practice, put ourselves on a dream retreat. It's like Native American vision questing is a good analogy. Mm -hmm. They put a time, an effort aside. They worked with their communities and their facilitators. Then they went into the wilderness alone for one to four days to wait for a dream or a vision to come. And they didn't do anything but pray and wait and watch. Same thing with your dreams. You can put yourself on a, your own dream incubation journey and take a day off or more and fast and pray all day and really meditate hard and set your intentions for what you're looking for. What kind of dream do you want? What are you trying to heal in your body or your, your life? Or what direction are you looking for? So you can get, doesn't have to be about physical health. It's more often not about psychological and spiritual health. But what are you looking for? Um, write it in your journal. Write, uh, write yourself a note and stick it under your pillow. And stay there. And even if you're wide awake, don't worry about it. Let yourself have fantasies. Practice guided imagery or active imagination, as Jung called it. Follow the images and let them and, and go where they take you. Do your best to suspend your rationality and just follow the images that are presented, whether it's in the dream or in the awake imaginal state. Well, <laughs> and, and let's I, I love that, but let, let me add one thing also, and uh, and that would be that if, if you have a meditation practice, and mm -hmm. I love the fact that you said give give yourself more time in the morning, I think the same thing at night. If you have a meditation practice at night that is either self-guided or guided, um, you can guide it to where you want, and then in the morning, have a period of meditation in the morning as, as Ed just said, before you jump up, jump in the shower, get the co coffee and rush out the door. I think that that will help to be able to not only remember them, but possibly even uh, start doing some healing in the middle of the night. Yes, thank you for adding that. And uh, that's a wonderful practice for all of us. Wake mm -hmm. up slowly, greet the day, say a blessing. Be grateful first before we have to go and face the world that is traumatizing and stressing us every day. Set your inner world first to a good place yeah. before you go out and face the difficulties. All right. We've, we've got about four minutes left, but we have another question. And this one reads, uh, I've been reading books on 
Hermetics. In your opinion, is Hermes a more mythical character? And if so, do the teachings from the Kabbalion fit into your work anywhere? This is from Allison in Florida. Hi, Allison. Thank you for that question. And the answer is a resounding yes. Asclepius was the god of healing dreams. In ancient Greece, Hermes was the communicator, mm -hmm. the trickster. When things go wrong, it's a trick from Hermes. He's trying to teach us something, like coyote in Native American uh, mythology. Hermes was the Greek coyote. Uh, and most importantly for this question, Hermes was the guide of souls. Hermes guided the souls through the underworld. And uh, our friend is right, the hermeneutics that were written in ancient times that we have today, they're very complex and esoteric spiritual teachings, but they are very much related to this tradition because both the, the tradition of Hermes and Asclepius and some of the other deities were all about mapping the inner world of the soul and teaching us how to navigate our inner world. That's another place we've become imbalanced and this can help. We are far too much focused on the outer world and the physical reality, and we've lost our awareness of the inner world, the invisible realities. And Hermes and Asclepius and all these practices can bring them back into balance. All right. Um, so, and again, we just have a, a little bit of time, but how do you suggest someone develop their own art of making accurate and holistic interpretations of signs, symbols, and symptoms? Oh, wow. I'm going to quote, Carl Jung and Rollo May on this, okay. both of them. Both of them said the best thing we can do to understand ourselves psychologically is to read literature, study art, study mythology, study the various spiritual traditions of the world, develop the largest possible cachet of humanistic and spiritual and creative imagery that you possibly can so that when the figures appear to you in your dreams and visions, you can recognize them. So the more we know the humanistic traditions of the world, the more we will understand and recognize our symbols and also our symptoms and how the symptoms are actually symbols trying to talk to us. Okay, which, which in this day and age of the internet, where it appears as though everything is out there somewhere. But the problem is, is we've now learned, especially more so the last six or eight years, is there's as much or more disinformation than there is valuable information. Yes. What would you suggest somebody do to be able to um, decipher one from the other? Well, that's so important and so difficult. Uh, first thing I would suggest is to get very, very clear and strong in your ability to listen to your own inner voice. Mm -hmm. And if you're feeling some dissonance as you're reading information, don't immediately run off to more websites to do fact checking. That's good. But first, just like as we're saying, wake up slowly, slow yourself down and breathe into your heart and ask yourself, what is the dissonance that I'm feeling? And does this feel true or false to me? Does this feel safe or dangerous? Am I being educated or am I being led down a, a difficult and untrue path? So that's first. 
also really check in with people whom you profoundly trust. Don't just never take what we're being presented, including from you and me right now, Alan. Don't believe us unless you're, you're confident that we're providing some wisdom and truth that can be also true for you. But always check it out and be careful and be your own doctor. Another quote that comes from ancient Greeks, uh, from Hippocrates, is, again, is um, any person who is not their own doctor is a fool. So that's a, I, I love that. And that's an excellent way for us to, to end this, because okay. there, there are so many influences or influencers that are trying to buy for people's money, their time, their beliefs. Uh, and I love the fact that it's look inward first. Um, so anyway, I think that's a great way for us to wrap up. So again, for everybody, um, the book is Soul Medicine, Healing Through Dream Incubation, Visions, Oracles, and Pil- Pilgrimages. And you can get it anywhere books are sold. Um, Ed, is there a, a website or anything for people that want to get more in touch with you, a best way for them to do that? Yes, sure. Thank you. I have two websites. One is just edwardtick.com, which is my author's website, and my books are there Mm -hmm. and links to others. And then for all of my work, including my pilgrimages overseas, my website is mentorthesoul, as one word, mentorthesoul.guide. Well, Ed, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for the work that you're doing, especially what you're doing with our veterans. Um, It's much appreciated. Uh, keep up the good work. And if you have something else coming up soon, please let us know. I'd love to uh, have you back on and we can talk more about it. Okay. Thank you so much, Alan. Great to be with you today. Blessings to everyone. All right. Blessings to you, Ed. Thanks. And for everybody out there, be with us next week when we're joined by uh, Giovanna Jenkins Allen. She discusses her new book, The Introvert's Guide to Being a Master Networker. So we're going to bring things back to the present uh, and have something that, and we say a networker, it doesn't always have to be business. It can be personal. It's just ways to increase that social part of your life, uh, which, uh, which we'll be talking about more in some future episodes, because that is one of the main things that helps to keep us healthy and happy. And if you are out there, please visit our our archives of past interviews at uh, answers.network, or you can just subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, Rumble, Spreaker, and so many more. If you like what you hear, please leave a review because it helps us to not only uh, put better content out there, uh, but it helps other people see what it is that you feel is going to be able to help them. So, For everybody out there, be good human beings and be with us again next week on Answers Network. You're listening to Answers Network with Alan Cardoza, only on L.A. Talk Radio.